23. Um, beautiful, beautiful verse. I've been, I've been um, back into some stuff that I wrote in 2016. I've been back and studying some stuff I wrote in 2016 as the Lord began to kind of just deal with me on this apostolic structure. And he said, what you need, you already have. And I said, well, God, what do you mean? And he began to send me back to stuff that I wrote in 2016, not understanding that what I gave in knowledge was going to be in implementation in 2020. And, but but uh, that's neither here nor there, but this is some of the stuff that I pulled for now. First um, Peter chapter 1, verse number 23. It is a very powerful scripture. It says, being born again. Everybody say born again. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, right? Not of a seed that can be corrupted, but of, incorrupt, but of incorruptible by the what? Word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Father, we just thank you and bless you. We give you the glory, the honor, and the praise, and the power of God be in this room. We thank you that the Spirit speak expressly even unto the people of the living God. Oh, Lord God, that we would not just hear with our ears, but we'll breathe in the Spirit of God with our nostrils and know that the pneuma of God is blowing in this room and, and bringing life to every dry thing, bringing things back together and, and establishing us a great army um, for your glory. It's in the mighty name of Jesus we pray. Amen. You may be seated. First um, Peter chapter one, verse 23. I'm going to read that verse again. It says, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Now, I said this before, but I want to reiterate it now. And I'm going to elaborate on it more so than I have when I usually say it. The word is a womb. The word is a womb. It's so important that we understand that the word doesn't just birth stuff. The word births us being born again, not of. See, we're trying to get the word to birth stuff. But in actuality, the, the culmination and the, the, the ultimate purpose of the word is to to birth us being born again. Uh, not of, it, of, of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. Now, if we take out the middle, being born again, if you take out the middle by the word of God, being born again by the word of God is what that verse says, right? The word isn't intended simply just to give us stuff, but actually to bring us forth. Being born by the word. Amen. Everybody say, I'm born by the word. The word is a womb. Now, why is that so important for us to understand and check off before we move any further? Because the womb is the place where anything is formed. If, if a baby is in her mother's womb, you better believe that baby at that moment, that baby's in the womb, is being formed. The word is a womb, and wombs form us, right? And so now I'm not going to move fast. I'm going to move slow because I need you to get this. The word is a womb, and wombs get form us. We all know we're called to be conformed into the image of Christ. The word is a womb, and wombs do what? Form us. The word is a womb that gives us the shape of what's said. 
We're shaped by what's said out of the word of God. Everybody follow what I'm saying? As believers, we must understand this right. As believers, we have the right to take the shape of every word said from his word. When we're hearing what's said, we're hearing our shape. Every word said is an opportunity to enter into a greater measure of looking like what's said. See, see, we got to understand we don't get holy, we be holy. God never told his people to get holy. If you look at holiness from the beginning, he never told them you need to get holy. That's why the holiness movement has gotten so full of satanic. Because there's people trying to do acts to be holy. You wear this on your head. You don't wear dresses. You wear pants. You do this. You do that. None of that has anything to do with because you can't get holy. You just what? Be holy. Well, how do I be holy? By hearing the holy word of God. And when I hear the holy word of God, that word is a womb that causes me to take the shape of what's said. When I hear the holy word, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit and therefore I be what? I did not get holy. The word was a womb and by that womb I be holy. Yahweh is into making, not giving. We want him to give us when he's trying to make us. Yahweh doesn't set us free. He makes us free. Therefore, if the Son makes you free, He doesn't give us freedom. Therefore, if the Son makes you free, He doesn't give us freedom. Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. He does not set us free. He makes us free because if He sets us free, we can be bound again. But if He makes us free, that means we personify what's said. We we take on the shape of the freedom that was said, then it's impossible for us to be bound like we were before he made us free concerning whatever it is. There's never a going back. You shall prosper. See, oh, oh, let me say this. God is into making us, not giving us. Listen to this. You shall prosper as your soul, what? See, you shall, pay attention to it, you shall prosper as your soul prospers. People want to be given prosperity while Yahweh wants um, us to personify prosperous. So we're trying to be given prosperity when Yahweh actually wants us to personify prosperous as your soul prospers or as prosperous becomes a part of your person. As your, in, your soul is in here, as your soul prospers or as prosperous becomes a part of your person, so shall you outwardly what? Prosper. Yahweh wants to make us prosperous, not give us prosperity. Therefore, no matter what we're doing and where we're going, we're prosperous because prosperous has nothing to do with where we are. Uh, prosperous is who I am. Prosperous is who you are. So I'm not just prosperous in business. I'm prosperous as a parent. I'm not just prosperous as a parent. I'm prosperous in the spirit. I have a prosperous prayer life. I have a, I have a prosperous study life. I have, a, I have a prosperous thinking life. I have a, every part of my is not confined to one thing because I'm not trying to get prosperity. I'm actually personifying prosperous. Put me anywhere and I'll prosper. Have me doing anything and I'll do what? Anybody ever know anything about a boy named Joseph? 
who now was made personified prosperous. He was in his daddy's backyard, but because he was made prosperous, his daddy made him a coat of many colors and favored him. He was prosperous among his other brothers. He didn't have to go out and work like them. He could go visit them and ask them how they're doing. He now personified prosperous, but they got jealous, threw him in a pit. He was sold into slavery. Guess where he ended up? He ends up in Potiphar's house being the one running the whole house. He's still prosperous because prosperity wasn't tied to him being home. He was not. Now, prosperity wasn't a place to him. Prosperity was who he was. So he becomes now the command over one of the most powerful men's houses in all of Egypt. He can eat what he won't, do what he won't, go where he won't. He's trusted with all his stuff. And then Potiphar's wife lies on him. And now he gets thrown in prison. Well, guess what happens in prison? He prospers again. The captain of the guard says, this man is above the other men. And so what I'm going to do is make you captain in the prison. So in the prison, you still prosper because prosper has nothing to do with the place I put you and what I made you. Glory be to God. And so now he gets out of the prison. And guess what happened, y'all? He prospers again. They have a dream that can't nobody decipher but him. And he becomes prime minister of all of the largest and strongest nation in the world. Because prosperity had nothing to do with the place. Had nothing to do with what he did. And had everything to do with who he was. Amen. You shall prosper as your what? When, once, we, once our soul prospers, it don't matter where you put us, we're going to prosper. It don't matter what we do, we're going to prosper. Amen. I'm not just going to prosper in my gift. I'm going to prosper in whatever I do. I'm not just going to prosper in what I like. I'm going to prosper in whatever I do. Amen. We shall prosper as our soul prospers, is a word that's a womb that gives us the shape of what's said. Everybody following me? Rejoice in the, in the Lord always, and again, I say what? That's a word that's a womb that gives us the shape of what's said. There's grace literally to rejoice at all times because rejoicing isn't a requirement. Please hear me. It's, it, is, it isn't a requirement. Rejoicing is now what I get by taking the shape of what's said. I can rejoice at all times. It don't matter what's going on, who's saying what, what the problem is, I'm still rejoicing. Why? Because it's not what I do. It's not a requirement is who I am. The word is a womb. When I heard that word said, I now have a right to take on the shape of what was said and rejoice at all times. This is the key. If the word is to be a womb, we don't hear the word to apply it. We hear the word to become it. That's where we get caught up. That's where, why we don't wind up benefiting from the word that we hear. Because we hear the word and figure out, where do I apply it? We don't hear the word to apply it. We hear the word to become it. If we hear it to apply it, instead of hear it to be it, we disqualify ourselves from taking the shape of it. We can't take the shape of it by now applying it. We take the shape of it by saying, whatever I heard, that's how I have a right to look. 
Everybody, the word is a womb. Everybody say the word is a womb. He that is born of God. This is one of my favorite scriptures. I learned it, I learned it probably 12, 13, 14, 15 years ago. First John 3 and 9. He that is born of God does not commit sin. And he cannot sin, for his seed remaineth in him, because he is what? Born of God. That's a word, that's a womb that gives us the shape of what's said. We can't sin through the power of the incorruptible seed called the word of God. See, but if I hear that, come on, uh, he that is born of God cannot sin, will not sin, and cannot sin, because he's born of God, he cannot sin. Uh, but if I hear that and try to apply it, instead of hear it to be it, I'll wind up trying not to sin instead of just not sinning. Instead of receiving that word as a womb that gave me the shape of what said, I'll make lists, I'll make rules, and I'll try to implement what we call mind over matter not to sin, which guarantees what? I'm going to sin again. It, if, once we make up our mind, I'm going to try my best not to sin no more, guess what? You're going to sin again. I'm going to try my best to do it. Oh, you're not. That's not how it works. That's not how hearing the word works. That's not how faith works. Amen? We don't hear the word to apply it. We hear the word to become it by faith. Amen? Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed by the word of God. Being born by the word. Marcus said something so key, so important. All word, he said, he talked about becoming flesh. All word is meant to become flesh. All word is meant to become flesh. Please hear me and hear me well. In other words, all word is meant to be embodied or personified. God wants his word to be personified, and he wants his word to be embodied. He wants it to walk. He wants his word to talk. He wants his word to move. He wants his word to act. All of the word, and I need y'all to get this, is actually the entire makeup of a man. When we're reading the word, we're reading what we're made out of. I'm going to say that again. When we're reading the word, we're actually reading what we're made out of. We're made out of God's words. And God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness, both male and female. Man and woman was made out of God's word, said, let us make man. It was not stuff that made man. It was God's words that made man from the beginning. What Yahweh said gave man his shape from the beginning we were God's words made flesh when from the beginning I need you to understand something about Yahweh he does not change his plans he will not make man out of anything else but his words because from the beginning man was made out of his words so literally we still have a right to take shape of everything God has said because from the beginning we and me and you were the sum total of what God said made flesh we're what God said made flesh. Jesus came to do what? 
He came to restore us, what, restore us to what we were made out of. Amen? He came to restore, because what does sin do? Sin is being what God never said. I'm the word made flesh, but when I'm in sin, God didn't say that. So my acts don't match his mouth. And I'm a son based off of how much I look and take the shape of what he said. Everybody follow me. We were sons, me and you. We were sons of God through Adam because we were what he said. When Adam ate of that fruit, he, his act, his action was something God never said. He was at that point the embodiment of something not said by God. Amen? Now watch John 1 and 14. I want to show you something. John 1 and 14. The Bible says this about Jesus. It helps us understand that he was made out of the word. And the word was what? Made what? And the word was made and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of what? Jesus, who was God in the flesh, was the word made flesh. Jesus was a man completely and perfectly made out of God's words. He was a man who embodied the complete perfection of being made out of God's words. That's why he said, when you see me, you've seen the Father. Because everything the Father said, I look like. When you're looking at me, you're listening to him. I am the word what? Perfectly. He was the perfect shape of what God said. And we get excited about that. And we're willing to, religious people are even to get excited about that. But they don't like the two verses above that. Because the two verses above that say this in John chapter 1 verse 12. But as many as received him, to them what? Gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Re receiving Jesus as the son of God because he was the perfect shape of what God said, guess what? Gives us the power to become the sons of God or again take on the shape of what God what? said right religion loves to say love to say Jesus did it but don't want to take any accountability to being conformed into his image but as many as believed him not worked for it not 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 struggled for it not gave effort for it not went through rituals for it just believed as many as believed him gave him power that's not that's not deutimus that's exousia gave them authority that's authority to become what? Sons of God. See, me and you have authority to take on the shape of what's said. Right? Just like we have authority over our children. Right? We can tell them. What, in other words, how much we look like what's said is based off of us when we believe them. See, we don't, that's, it's not necessarily directly just up to God. It's up to us. As many as believe him, he said he did not give, he did not uh, he gave them power to do what? Become the sons of God. They don't, you're not going to automatically become a son of God. I'm going to give you authority through your belief to become what? How much I'm a son 
is how much I look like what's said. You could, in a sense, say um, sonship is saidship. How much me and you take on the form of what he said is how much we're actually walking as sons. How much we embrace being the word made flesh after the only begotten son who was the word made flesh. To that degree, me and you have now obtained and now possessed our sonship. Amen? All right. So I wanted to deal with that because that's very, very important um, to understand taking on the shape of what's said. Not changing your physical shape, but changing your inward shape, changing your, your inward image. Image and likeness is about this. Now, many times your outward shape will change when your inward one does, but changing the outward appearance is not what he's talking about. He's talking about changing the inward things, amen, and becoming a new man, right? Now, what makes all of that possible? That's what I want to get to. How do we take on the shape of what's said? Because everybody does it. It's just you do it two ways. You do it by flesh, which means you try to apply it. You figure out ways to implement it, and you try to add it on to your life, or you do it by spirit. You just become it. There's one, everybody wants to do what the word is saying, but there's just two ways you do it. And only one way makes it possible, Holy Spirit. This is why we got to emphasize the apostolic, because if we don't, then we'll base it on, I just try to do my best. That's flesh. You know, I, I read the word and I try to be the best Christian I am. That's flesh. Why would you try when you have power to become? Amen. Why would you try to do the best you could and you have power to become? Amen. But that's what flesh does. Flesh tries to, to institute a work because it lacks the spirit just to become. Or it has, flesh has the spirit to become but keeps on deceiving that individual and in trying to use a work to get what they can only get by spirit. Amen? So, so we're going to deal with Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13. Look at this. It says here, In whom you also trusted... After that, you heard the what? Word of truth, the gospel of your what? In whom also after that you believed, you were what? Sealed with what? The Holy Spirit of promise. After you heard the truth of the gospel of your salvation and did what? Believed. Everybody say after. You heard and believed. You were what? Sealed. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit of what? Amen. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. That's, this is what we got to understand. There is in that text a supernatural phenomenon that's supposed to happen after we hear the gospel of salvation and believe it and actually get saved. We can't overlook what's supposed to happen there. This is why that was up, because we got to put a highlight back on that. We can't skip over that and just say, all right, get baptized, get on a commercial, take a picture with your, your parents, and let them come to your baptism, and then tell everybody you got saved and act like that's what the Bible said. It's not what the Bible said. Try your best to live the best. That's not what the Bible said. This is the key. Because we got to get power back in the church. This is the key. We don't do it. The Father does. Yeah. 
authentic gospel salvation initiates a response from the Father to seal that individual who has received salvation with the Holy Spirit of promise. We cannot overlook that. That is a sovereign act of God that has nothing to do with it. It don't matter what man do, he cannot seal himself. That is a sovereign act of God in response to real faith and real salvation. God says, I'll come and seal it. In whom after you heard and believed, you were sealed. The only one who can release the Holy Spirit to us to seal us is God, period. There's nobody else the Holy Spirit can be can seal us with is God. And see, that's the problem because God can't be mocked. See, that's why there's so few people that are filled with the Holy Spirit, because we can fool people. But if he's the one who decides who has the Holy Spirit, he knows if we believe unto salvation. Oh, the Holy Spirit, if me and you are filled, there's only one place it came from. It didn't come from our duty. It didn't come from how much we served in church. It didn't even come from what we heard the Spirit tell us. The Spirit speaks to people who aren't filled with the Spirit. Go to the Old Testament. Promise hadn't came yet. And people heard the Spirit of God. Amen? There's only one place. John 14. Um, put that up. Verse 16 and 17 in the Passion Translation. Jesus said, look, it's better for you that I go. This is when he's telling them about the paraclete. He's telling them. He's helping them. He's dealing with delegation. He's dealing with, look, I can't send the Spirit unless I go. Because I, I now, you can only represent me after I'm no longer on the scene by way of me pouring out the Spirit. But then he says where the Spirit comes from. Now, and we got to pay attention to this. He says, look, I'll go away and I'll do what? I will ask who? I will ask the who? I will ask the who? And he will do what? Give you another, I love the way the Passion Translation says it. Give you another Savior. Whew. He'll give you another Savior who's all one. He'll, literally, you'll have a Savior living in you. Glory to God. He'll give you another Savior, the Holy Spirit of what? Who will do what? A friend just like me, and he will never do what? Leave you. Spirit filling can only come through Abba. We must understand that. The Spirit cannot be received by laws the Spirit cannot be received by lists. The Spirit cannot be received by rituals because filling and sealing is a sovereign act of Yahweh. There is no religious ritual. There is no five-step process. There's no strategy for breakthrough we can implement to be filled and sealed. And if you follow that, then you probably ain't filled and sealed. Amen? After you heard what? The truth, the gospel of salvation, and did what? You were sealed. Yahweh is the judge of whether or not our belief qualifies for salvation. He judges it. How, how does he judge it? By way of either filling or sealing us or leaving us unfilled and unsealed. If he doesn't fill us and seal us, he judged it as not belief unto salvation. If he fills us and seals us, that means he, what we, what we, when we said we were saved, we were really saved. See, there's a lot of people in the church that say they're saved. But at the end of the day, God judges what, there's a lot of people that say they believe. 
But at the end of the day, the ultimate decision falls on Yahweh. Yahweh says, if you really believe what I'm going to do is I'm going to step in at the response of you believing and actually being saved, and I'm going to seal you, right? So it's not about what we said, it's about whether or not we have the seal. And the only way we have the seal is if now God, in, from his vantage point, sees in our heart that we believe and we're actually saved. And God said, then the Holy Spirit of, of sealing will come. Amen? We must understand. We got to get that back in the church. We cannot think because somebody has been a deacon for 20 years that they're saved. We cannot think because somebody can quote scriptures, they are saved. We cannot think because somebody can now teach out of the Bible. Flesh teaches out of the Bible. What is flesh? It is now understanding the Bible without the eyes of God. It's a man you figuring out the Bible versus having the Bible revealed to him. Nothing I teach, I, I figured out. All of it was revealed. It's called revelation. The revelation of Jesus Christ. We don't figure nothing out. The Holy Spirit just reveals. Amen? The Holy Spirit just reveals. It's called revelation. We must understand that because all flesh is, is trying to serve God based off of the perspective of man without the embodiment or without the infilling of the spirit. It's making sense about and describing God, trying to figure him out and making up, taking up perspectives based off of a mind that's not enlightened by the spirit of the living God. But it's still after God, still serves God and still wants to please God. That's why the Bible says that is in your flesh can no, no man in his flesh can do what? Please God. Not sir, please. Read Romans 8. No man in their flesh can please God because the men in their flesh are believers. They're churchgoers. They're committed. They're, in, they're, in, they're serving God. They just can't please God. Why? Because they ain't sealed. Which means, as far as God is concerned, whatever that belief is didn't bring the authentic measure of salvation for which he honors and seals. That's supernatural. Everybody following what I'm saying? These are things we must understand. Amen? We must understand these things. The word sealed. You know what the word sealed actually means? It means to set to, to seal up, or to stop. The word sealed. See, it means to set to, to seal up, or to stop. It also refers to the signet ring of a king. The signet ring of a king, when there was a scroll or a letter that was written with melt wax, put the ring as a signet in that wax, let it dry up. It authenticated what was ever in that package to say that was, what was ever in that package came from the king. He had put his signet ring. If you open that letter, whatever was in that letter, because of the signet, because of the seal, because of the seal, it said that came from the king. That, that is of the king's contents. Whatever you read in there is what's in, whatever's inside that letter, the king put it there. And he says we're sealed the same way through the Holy Spirit. It means whatever's in us, guess what? The king put it there, Right? It's the signet of God. Now, but, but I want to deal with seal up. So we focus so much, and this is what we got to shift, and this is what we got to understand. We focus so much on being filled and neglect being sealed. But the Holy Spirit, the Bible talks about being sealed with the spirit of promise, but we all focus on being filled with the promise. The Holy Spirit isn't just a filler. The Holy Spirit is a sealer. 
I need us to get that because in all actuality, unless the Holy Spirit is a, unless we're sealed, we'll never be filled. Amen. You can't, we can't be filled unless we're sealed. If we're filled without being sealed, then we're really not filled. And I'm going to show you that in a minute. To be sealed is to what? Seal up. When we truly believe, watch this, the gospel of the kingdom and we're saved, the Father responds by filling us and doing what? Sealing us. Everybody say filling and sealing. In other words, whatever he pours in us, watch this, it stays in us. Whatever he pours in us of his spirit, he seals it to make sure we never lose it. That's how we know we believe, and that's how we know we're filled and we're sealed. Because whatever he puts in us stays there. Now, watch this. I want to give you an example of what I mean. Could you go ahead and, and just step up right here? You can take your time. I might need both of you. All I need is, yeah, yeah, give me um, two of them. And yeah, just, just two of them and the, the uh, big crate. And then we got some water too, right? Gra- I'm going to start with that water. And I just want to show you something that I believe is very, very imperative. And perhaps what we can do um, to, to deal with sealing and feeling and to be sealed, we must, mm-hmm, we must be filled. I'm going to put this down here. And I'm going to uh, teach a little bit. Now, what happens is this. This is us. And God wants to fill us, right? And so what the Lord does is, that's good. You can put the mother two down for right now. You can go ahead and open them up, but put them down. <clears throat> what God wants to do is he says when we believe him, what he does is when we believe him, the Bible says that the Father will respond to our belief in salvation, in the gospel of salvation. Watch this. And he will take, get, take the water. He will take the water and he'll pour. He'll pour in us in response to our salvation. All right, stop it. And then he says, so he'll pour obedience into us. He'll pour victory into us. He'll, he'll pour um, 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 peace into us. He'll, he'll, he'll pour a man, his, his life into us. He'll, he'll pour desire for him into us. He'll pour passion. He'll pour holiness, victory over sin, victory over temptation. But he doesn't stop there. He says, like, if you believe what I'm going to do then is you are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Why does he put the seal on? The same reason we do. Because he, he understands that at some point what's going to happen to you, life is going to go upside down. Glory be to At some point, life, uh, situations are going to get turned upside down, but you're sealed. Situations are going to shake you, but you're sealed. Uh, um, things are going to throw you, but you're sealed. Think, times where it goes up and down, but guess what? Even when it's going up and down in your life, guess what stays in you? Everything that God put in you, when it's going side to side, everything God put in you, when it goes upside down, so you come out with everything in you uh, on the other side of the situation situation that you had when you entered in before you entered into the situation why because you weren't just filled you were sealed with the holy spirit of promise so the same joy you had when, after you come out of that trial guess what the same joy is here glory be to god the same victory you had over sin guess what you do that same victory over sin the same passion that you had for god it didn't wane you didn't lose it you don't need you don't need somebody to to, to encourage you and you don't need to get it back it's still there why 
because you were sealed. So you come out on the other side with everything in you. And guess what God does? You know what happens when you come out on the other side of something? Uh, glory be to God. And you still have the praise. You still have the victory. You still have victory over sin. You didn't backslide. You didn't go back. You didn't give up. Not only that, you still have the joy of your salvation, your praise, your desire for the things of God. You know what it does? It opens you up again. You know what it does? It opens you up to say, God, you're good and your grace is more mesmerizing than I believed it was. You have been so faithful to me. It opens you up and God says, okay, you came out on the other side of that and you kept what I gave you and now you opening up for more praise. I'm going to pour more in and so I'm going to pour more in. Why am I getting filled? Stop. I am not getting filled because he just put it all there. I'm being filled because I'm sealed because guess what? I still got to go through some more stuff where I go upside down. I still got to go through some more stuff while I'm taught side to side. I still got to go through some more stuff while I'm back like this. But guess what, baby? I just ain't filled. I'm sealed. So when I come out of this one, I'm going to open up and bless him more than I did the last time. And then what the Lord does is say, boy, you still got it and you still kept it. I'm going to pour you more. But you're the one who put the court, God. You're the one who kept me. You're the one who now gave me grace to continue going. Oh, God. Hallelujah. But you know what the Lord says? I'm going to fill you again. Hallelujah. <laughs> and he puts on there and he closes it. Shakes you up. So forth the song. Guess what's happening? Guess what's happening to this vessel? What is he doing? He's being what? Why is he being filled? Because he's you have been sealed with the Holy Spirit. I don't, it don't matter. I can trust you with the desert. I can trust you with betrayal. I can trust you with offense. I can trust you with hurt. I can trust you with pain. I can trust you with setback. You know why? Because I know what I sealed you with. I know what I put in you ain't going nowhere. We must do many tribulations. That's what we don't understand. We must do many tribulations. Do what? Enter into the kingdom of God. Then on the other hand, you have the believer who said they're saved, but they're not sealed. You can get out. You have the believer that's saved, so God fills them. And guess what happens? You can stop. Guess what happens? There is no sealing. Guess what's going to happen to them? They're going to get turned upside down. Guess what happens when they turn upside down? Stuff that was in them ain't in them no more. They're going to go side to side. They're going to go up and down. Guess what ain't in them no more? what they had in them. And so they come out on the other side, but they didn't sin, they didn't backslid, they didn't fell into temptation, their church hurt, they're delirious, they're offended, they, want, they need to find somewhere to go recover, I need somebody who can bandage up my wounds, I'm hurt and I can't get healed, and all really because you weren't what? Sealed. And so you come out on the other side and guess what God does? You know because God is so good, guess what he does? He'll pour more in you. But guess what you're going to do? You still ain't sealed because God it loves us enough to touch us with his spirit even if he, won't, he can't seal us because we don't believe to the degree to be sealed. So he loves us enough, but guess what we're going to do? We're going to turn around and we're going to pour out again and we're going to do all these things. And then eventually you have, you don't see it until you walk with somebody for a while. You have a believer like this and you have a believer like this, but both of them go to the same church. 
You really didn't know who didn't believe until you go through enough and you realize that, hold on, me and you ain't really got the same thing. Because, glory be to God, because we're not both being filled by this. You, you, you remember Jesus' parable about the house, the one who built their house on the sand and the one who built their house on the rock? Both houses look good. Both houses look like they can handle it. And God said the only thing that can determine whether your house was built right, you can't determine it when I'm blessing. You can't determine it when I'm moving. You can't determine it when it's revival. You can't determine it when praise is high. Wait till the storm comes. Now, then, then you'll know both houses look good. They're painted good. The doors look the same. They praise the same. They come to church at the same time. But wait till the storm comes. And, and then you'll know whether or not who actually built their house on the right foundation. We don't like storms, but that's the only test. We don't like trials, but that's the only test. We don't like going through, but that's the only way we'll know who is really built and who is really not. You just don't know all that I went through. You better thank God you went through it. Man, I was glad. I, I thank God for every affliction because the anointing I have now is because of that affliction. The grace that I have now is because of that affliction. Uh, the, 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 the power I have now is because of that failure because I don't even care if I failed, I still stayed filled. I don't care if it didn't work, I still stayed filled. Everything that God put in me, I still had in me. So when he wanted to pour more, it wasn't giving me back encouragement. It was increasing it. It wasn't giving me back peace it was increasing it it wasn't giving me back an anointing it was increasing it we can't be filled without being we can't be filled without being sealed then on the other hand we got to understand this too see because it's like man I need to be replenished no you want don't you want your cup to overflow it ain't going to overflow if you keep on losing it every time something shake. Believe under ceiling. Glory to God. There are two major aspects of salvation that we need to understand. Number one is repentance. Hebrews 6 breaks it down. Hebrews 6, repentance from dead works and then faith towards God. Those are two major aspects of the process of salvation. The Bible says repent for the kingdom of God is where? At hand. In other words, the, what does repent mean? It means to shift your mind, change the way you're thinking. Why? Because the kingdom could be in your reach and still be a thousand miles away to you if you don't change the way you think. It don't matter how close it is, you're as far away from it as if it was never nowhere near you if you don't change the way you think. Repentance is necessary. You, I got to change the way that I think. Otherwise, the, the kingdom will be right here and it might as well be a million miles away because my mind won't let me grab it. It takes a changing of mind. So repentance first. So you have now repentance. And then the second aspect, major aspect, is faith towards who? Jesus. Faith toward God. Repentance from Hebrews 6 and 1. Repentance from dead works, faith towards God. See, now this is where we don't we mess up. Now give me the red one. Now the red one is the stuff that, that now was filled. That's fine. The red one is the stuff that was filled in me by sin and my lifestyle of sin. And my lifestyle of iniquity, correct? Uh, and what Babylon does is it teaches us to blur the lines, to keep us from believe. You can't believe until you do what? Repent. In, in the example of our cup, that's emptying it of one thing to be filled with something else. There's a two-part process. 
if I'm going to be filled with that, I have to now do, do what? Deal with this. I have to empty myself of this before I deal with that. If I can repent, then I can have faith towards God and actually believe and be filled. Now, but if I don't, go ahead and pour some more. This is what usually happens because Babylon has blurred the lines. What I do is I repent enough to say that I'm, I'm doing better. Right? And then I try to get some of God's spirit inside of me, too, as well. Go ahead and pour it in there. Because God is good. He'll touch me when I'm still. Boy, you stop. My gosh. Right? He'll still pour it in me while I'm like that, but guess what he won't do? Oh, he'll never seal it. Why can't I ever get there? Why can't I ever go all the way? Why do I keep on going back? It don't seem like no matter how I try, no matter how far I go, I always because God will never seal sin and spirit. He'll never sin, he'll never seal sin and spirit. And so what happens is we keep on going back and forth in church, backsliding, going back, backsliding, going back, until we finally say backsliding is just a part of being a believer. When that's a lie. What, what happened was you never completely emptied yourself. You never believed unto salvation. You were never saved, therefore you were never really sealed. God will not seal. We all going to sin sometimes. See if God ever put a top on that. We all going to slip up. We all going to do some stuff we ain't going to do. See if God ever put a top on it. Watch the lifestyle of people who talk like that and see if they ever get sealed. I guarantee you, God ain't sealing that. You know, he will not put a seal on that. He's the one who decides, and he's not sealing that. It's not until I say, you know what? I'm going to stop calling them. And matter of fact, I'm going to change my number. I'm moving out and changing my locks. I'm changing. I'm moving. I'm altering. I'm not. A little bit of it ain't good. All of it is wrong. I'm changing the way that I think about sin because we don't know good from evil until we now are in complete relationship with good. I know I don't see nothing wrong with it, but God's word says there's something wrong with it. So I'm going to continue to empty myself and I'm going to continue to pour myself out until I get now empty. And from the place called empty, I'm going to start being filled and I'm going to start being sealed. Don't be surprised. See, because when we first get saved, I wish I could break down what that word salvation in the Greek is and its root and I'll do it another day. But when we first get saved, it actually means a commencement. God, when we get saved, don't fill us up to here. Glory be to God. It actually commences a process of getting us to the place where our cup runs over. But he'll put enough in us when we empty ourselves where we know our life has changed. That's some good. We ain't never going back. We ain't going to talk like that no more. We ain't going to live like that no more. We're not going back to that no more. It ain't going to overtake us no more. I have repented and I know that your power and your word is greater than that temptation and I'll never give that temptation that much more power to try to say it can bring me into anything. I repent. I change my mind. My Savior is greater than sin. My Savior is greater than temptation and I have power to live holy. I'm not claiming any longer it's hard to live right that's a lie from the pits of hell I'm repenting for the kingdom of heaven is at hand it's not hard not to sin I'm repenting for the kingdom of heaven it's right here I gotta change my mind I gotta change my mind it's hard to live right you think God gonna seal that he ain't sealing that you ain't changed your mind enough You've been church, but not changed. 
in mindset. You got to take in the word better. You got to listen to what's being said. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We cannot be filled unless we're sealed. And the Bible says, be careful how you hear. Because to who he hears right, what does he say? More shall be given. But to him who hears wrong, go back. Even that which he thought he had would be taken from him. See, there's people still going back and struggling with elementary stuff, being tempted by elementary stuff again. Fighting all stuff that you got free from 10 and 12 years ago. You know why? Because you got to start being careful how you hear. If you start hearing wrong, one of the indications is you get, you go down in grades. You start fighting stuff that you got victory over already. How did that come back on me? How did I feel like that again? How did that touch me? You know why? Because you stopped being careful how you heard. <laughs> you thought you had something you didn't have. Amen? Be slow to speak. Quick to listen and quick to hear. Hallelujah. Everybody say sealed and sealed. Filled and sealed. All right, now watch this. All right, I'm shifting. I'm shifting. I think that's enough. Amen. It ain't about the joy I have now. Will it be here next week? God ain't interested in making us happy during church. He's interested in giving us joy for a lifetime. He wants to put a, a level of joy on us and close it. And say, devil, do whatever you want to do. But that joy I put in him ain't going nowhere. He wants to put righteousness in us. Send every sin hound you got. But that righteousness ain't going nowhere. I sealed them. Glory be to God. I know what I put on them. I know I closed it. And I know nothing you have can open it back up. They're sealed with the spirit of promise because they believed. Hallelujah. Watch this. Watch this. It's so key. Let me shift a little bit. And I'm going to go somewhere else. Galatians chapter 3. Let's go there. I ain't doing too bad on time, am I? Galatians chapter 3, verse number 1. He, did, he begins to deal with the Galatians because the people of Galatia actually were sealed by the Spirit, but they had Judaizers. They had what they called the Judaizers that after they were sealed by the Spirit, told them in order for them to be saved, they had to be circumcised. There was religious Jews that came into the church of Galatia after the Spirit had already filled the people of God in the church of Galatia, and they came in and told them, this is what you got to do to be saved. You, you know what they're saying? You didn't follow the ritual. You did not follow. If you're going to be saved, you got to do this, 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 and this. And you did not do that. So here you have people that are actually sealed. And people who are unsealed coming in telling them how to be saved. It's no different than what happens today. It's somebody who followed a ritual and it's somebody who actually has the real thing. Amen. Somebody who's actually sealed and somebody who actually followed three steps. Amen? And, and so this is, the, this is the situation in the church of Galatia. 
They have individuals who had already been sealed, but now you have Jews creeping in there and telling them, look, no, -uh, y'all really wasn't converted. You really wasn't saved because you don't know the law of Moses. You don't know the Torah. You don't know circumcision. So now he's going back and telling them all the things they need to do that didn't save them. It didn't even save them. They still in sin. I said, no, you got to do this and this. That's what you did, ain't it? Did, it? did you stop sinning when you did it? Judaizers. Modern day Judaizers. People who tell you the steps to get saved, and although they sinned after they followed those steps. Watch this. Galatians chapter 3 verse 1 says this. O foolish Galatians, who have bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ has been evidently set forth crucified among you. Verse 2. Because we can't have a Judaizing church. We got to be able to minister spirit. And it's in the Bible. I'm going to show it to you. Verse number two. This only what I learned of you. Receive ye the spirit by the works of the law or by what? Verse three. Are you so foolish having begun in the spirit? Are you now made perfect by the flesh? He asked him. Who has bewitched you? What does it mean to be bewitched? It, to be bewitched is literally to be filled and sealed by the ministry of the Holy Spirit, then turn around and attempt to maintain what you were sealed and filled by by the Holy Spirit through using flesh. How are you going to start out in the Spirit and think you're going to maintain what the Spirit did to you in your flesh? You, who has done what? To be bewitched is by being taught and influenced by believers who have not been filled and sealed by the Spirit, even though you have been filled and sealed by the Spirit. You're being bewitched. That's witchcraft. So you have the spirit of liberty and somebody who's bound telling you how to have liberty. That's being bewitched. Amen? You know what they did in Cornelius' days? The Spirit of God fell on Cornelius' house. Guess what Cornelius didn't do? Cornelius was never baptized in water. You were supposed to be baptized in water before you were baptized in spirit. It fell on Cornelius' house. They gave Peter, uh, they gave Peter all, read about it in Acts. They gave Peter trouble. How are you going to give them, how are you going to speak to them, sit with them and talk to them, and they didn't follow the order? They wasn't even baptized in water. Peter had to give the explanation. He said, look, man. The same gift that fell on us fell on them. How could I deny them from water? I know that he didn't, we didn't put them in the water first, but they got what the water is supposed to prepare them to get without the water. Nope, nope, you can't have it because the rule says <laughs> you got to go in the water first. Judaizing. And when believed, it bewitches you and causes you to, now, can't nobody take that seal. The devil can't take that seal off of you, but guess who can? You. The devil can't take the seal off of me, but guess who can? Me. Me. So, Paul asked the question in Galatians 3 and 2. Receive ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? The Spirit cannot be received by laws and lists because feeling 
and sealing is a sovereign act of Yahweh. He goes on to say this, and this is what I love about our church. He says in Galatians 3 verse 5, He therefore that ministereth to you the Spirit, he therefore that does what? Ministereth to you the what? He therefore that ministereth to you the Spirit and worketh miracles among you. Doeth he it by the works of the law or by the hearing of what? There is a ministry of the Spirit. We're not called, amen, just to preach a word to people. We minister the Spirit of God to people. That's why I love uh, uh, Marcus's ministry so much. You know what he's doing? He's ministering, and the praise team and the musicians, they're ministering the Spirit of God to people. You know what the Spirit of God does? It makes hearts supple. No, you didn't get a word, but it did begin to knock off some of the hardness of your heart. It now began to turn a heart of stone into clay. The ministry of the Spirit begins to shift the posture of an individual. When we learn how to minister the Spirit, therefore they will receive truth, Spirit and He that worships me must worship me in Spirit and truth can follow Spirit very well. Amen? He says, but he that learns how to, he therefore that ministereth the Spirit. See, Marcus did not minister, when every time he sings, he did not sing by law. You know, and it took us a while to get here. We, he did not sing by list. You know what he do? He just starts singing. And before you know it, he started singing a song. That ain't no song written. Marcus, how did you sing and that came in the room? I can't teach you that. There is, no, there is no formula for that. There is no list for that. I didn't sing this, this, and this. I didn't go up in this melody. I didn't come down in this melody. All I did then was by faith, because we minister the Spirit by faith, I began to, by faith, allow words to come out of my mouth for songs I didn't know. I didn't, I, sometimes, I'm sure, you don't even know what you're going to say next. But you say something, and before you know it, something else follows it. And before you know it, something else follows it. And before you know it, we got us a song. How do we get that song? By faith. What did it do? Minister the Spirit. Then God is in the room. How did he get there? It's not because y'all sung all five songs you practiced. Hello? It's the ministry of the Spirit. Hallelujah the ministry of the spirit he therefore that ministereth to you the spirit and worketh miracles among you doeth he it by the works of the law or by the what hearing of faith you know what ministereth means and hear me out so I because I, I may get in trouble ministereth means to supply to present to minister is to do what be a supplier that verse could read he that supplieth the Spirit to you and work miracles. He that supplieth, ministereth the Spirit. He that supplieth the Spirit to you. Spirit-filled men and women are called to minister the Spirit to others. They are called to be suppliers of the Spirit. Not be generators, but be dispensers. See, we got soap dispensers in our bathrooms. If we're going to get the soap, Guess what it comes out of? The dispenser. But the dispenser did not create the soap. 
Somebody put that soap in that dispenser. And so the one who put the soap in the dispenser is actually the one who gave us the ability to wash our hands. But if we don't go through the dispenser, we never benefit from the creator of the soap. He that ministereth the spirit or is the one God can come through, does he do that by law or does he do that by spirit? Spirit. How can you think we have a ministry that now worships in spirit and think we're going to live out our salvation by law. Who hath bewitched you? Amen? Watch this. The only way we can have a ministry of ministering the Holy Spirit to others is by what? Faith. When the emphasis is laws, listen, do you know what the new law, the new form of law is? Principles. Everybody, it's principles of success, principles of breakthrough, principles for marriage. Why? Because if I follow this list, I can have a good marriage instead of follow the spirit and have a good marriage. It's, it's my opportunity to do it without using faith. Just give me, so why? Because I have a list, it don't matter if I got faith or not, I just follow the list. Amen. Principles are the new form of law. It, it's the enemy camouflaging law. Just follow this principle. Just follow that principle. Just do this. Five steps to that. Three steps to this. But, but the Bible says, be ye led by the spirit of the living God. Amen? Galatians, let me, I'm going to share this last verse with you. Um, what time is it? 8.50. Perhaps I could do that last part another time because that's good. And I want to deal with some other stuff because we, what we got to understand is this is still a fight between family. The war is a, is a family war. It's Abraham and Ishmael. It's Isaac and Jacob. It is Joseph and his brothers. It's always been a family issue because it's Canaan. It's about one that wants to do it in the flesh and another that wants to do it in the spirit. And it just won't work together. It's always been that. It's never been the believers against the unbelievers. It's always been the believer who believed by faith versus the believer who believed by law. Watch this. Put up Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13 and 14 in the amplified version. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14 in the Amplified Version. I'm going to say this, and then I'm going to close. And I'll jump back to that other part later. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14, Amplified. Watch this. It says, In him you also, when you hear the word of truth, the good news of your salvation, and as a result, believed in him. Listen to this same verse in Amplified. We're stamped with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. The one what? Promised by Christ as what? And once, once we're sealed, we're owned. By who? Christ. By God. He, God don't take something. He's not an Indian uh, giver or taker. 
We're owned by God. I believe that verse is owned and protected by God. Verse 14 is even more important. The spirit is the what? It's the, everybody say guarantee. The spirit is the what? The spirit is the what? The first installment, the pledge of foretaste of our inheritance until the redemption of God's own purchased possession, his believers to the praise of his glory. If you hear somebody saying, man, I hope I make it in, you better hope you get in there. You better hope you get through them gates. You better hope you get saved. You know what they don't have? The guarantee. We're not supposed to be wondering whether we're going to make it in the kingdom or not. And the only people that are uncomfortable with that are people who don't know if they're going to make it in the kingdom or not. And it's not that you use presumption. You better hope you're saved. You better hope you get in. You better hope God accepts you. You better hope he say, well done, good and faithful servant, because religion wants us scared. Religion wants us in fear because they know as long as we're in fear, we'll never live in perfect love. And now the kingdom is not brought by fear. The kingdom is brought by love. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, soul, and strength. So as long as fear is necessary, but fear is not maturity. If I'm in church for 20 years and I'm still saying, I hope I make it in when I get through, you've been Judaized. Hello? I ain't going to say that. I'm going to let you say that. Okay. You don't know what's going to happen. Right? He that is baptized in Christ has done what? Put on who? Y'all know that word? Y'all know that scripture? He that is baptized in Christ has put on who? That's a good tribe. That's true. Galatians 3 and 27. He that is baptized in Christ has put on Christ. Right? We're not called to just know him. We're called to make him known. Nothing that looks like Jesus can be thrown into hell. Now, if I've taken on his image, ain't no way. Why are we still indifferent to this? What is missing? The seal. The seal is the guarantee. There's something inside of you that just knows you're rooted. You never move. The stuff God put in you 17, 18 years ago is still there, plus everything God is doing right now. There is no shifting. There is no shaking. There is no I wonder because all is is a guarantee. And then next year, everything he guaranteed you last year is there, but he pours more on there. Everything you wanted, for, how much you wanted God uh, two years ago is still there, but he's pouring more want on it. I ain't got time to be, I don't even... When we're really filled with the Spirit of God, we, we're too busy chasing the king. It's guaranteed. I think she was mocking me. <laughs> we're too busy uh, chasing the king. You do not want to live your whole kingdom life when I, I just hope I make it in. Well, look here, man. Knock yourself out. Knock your, I ain't finna live like that. That's bondage. Amen. And it's not because I'm going to be lawless either. It's not because I'm not going to be completely committed to God either. It's not because I'm not going to be here every week. It's not because I'm going to go in and out and sin and just take for granted. God is just going to excuse my sin. Heck, no, he don't excuse sin at all. None of the compromise, but I know there's a guarantee. How do you know it's a guarantee? If you have the guarantee. Nobody can explain that to you. It just got to be there. I knew this one would be a little bit more quiet. You know why?
because it demands examination. And that's a good thing. It's a good thing. The Bible says examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. Amen? Examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. My thing is this. This is what I say in all of that. I say if we're not growing in his image, we need to fear. This is what I tell you, and I'm not trying to scare you nothing, but if you're not growing year to year, you need to fear. If stuff got put in you, put in you two, three years ago is still not there, if stuff got put in you two, three months ago is not there, something can turn it upside down and you lose it, you need to fear. If you're not growing in the, you need to fear. If you're not getting strong, you need to fear. Because you, you don't sit still. This ain't, that, that's not how this works. And because we have not ministered the spirit, and because we have not talked about the spirit, and we, you, we actually think we're going to stand before God and say, give the list of what we did and didn't look nothing like God while we were here. And for some reason, that's going to be what saves us. And he didn't already told us laws can't save us. He didn't made that because that's a Sadducee. That's a Pharisee. Your list didn't save you. A transformed life is what saved you. What do we need to do? What's our response? Man, we need to tarry again for the Holy. We need to begin to seek the spirit of the living God again. We need to begin to declare the dire need to be filled and sealed with the spirit of the living God. We need to testify that, live in that. Therefore, other individuals will sound the alarm and know and begin to sober up and understand you coming to church on Sunday and then being successful has nothing to do with you being saved. See, but, but there has to be an army of Holy Spirit people. Holy Spirit sealed people that can testify to a world that's going to hell in church. That we're to be filled and we're to be sealed. Amen. We got to keep that which has been entrusted to us. Hallelujah. And we don't do that by our effort. We do that by believing and being sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. I'm telling you young people that worship everything that we're developing in you to open you up is very important. But at the end of the day, you need to be sealed. There has to come a moment in your life that you know everything God did in you will never change. And if it does, it's only going to increase. You got to, there's a time in your life where you change and you know I'll never go back to what I was before. You understand that God came in and something has shifted. I am not the man I was, and I'll never go back to that man again. I can't. God has erased that history and won't even, I don't even know the map back there. All I know is forward. That's what I want to pray for tonight. That we'll value feeling again. And we'll stop thinking because people post scriptures and hope God, people be all right. That, that, that does not save you. The Holy Spirit of sealing and filling. You got to be filled and sealed. You can want the best for people. You can love people. You can pray for people. None of that saves you. None of our works save us. We got to be filled and we got to be sealed. Period. Didn't we prophesy in your name? You sure did. Didn't we cast out devils in your name? You, we, you sure did. Didn't we work miracles? You surely did. 
You did all those things. But you did all of that without me knowing you. Now, that word knowing actually means being in one and one being in another. I was never in you and stayed. There has to be a feeling and there has to be a ceiling. Father God, I thank you and I bless you right now. For the power and the presence of God to sober up, sanctify, and set apart a, a nation of seekers that would begin to seek you, wait for you, tarry for you, want you, and go after you until that guarantee is there. God, I thank you that tonight every Judaizing every Judaizing influence, every Judaizing influence that, that has told us lies and told us that we can't be guaranteed before we leave here of where we're going when we leave. I cast down every lie right now. We have a, a down payment. We have the earnest of our expectation is what King James says. We have a guarantee of the life waiting for us when we leave this life while we're here right now. Through being filled and sealed by the Spirit of the living God. Father, I pray right now that there is an alarm that sounds off and everything that seemed important wasn't important. Every idle way that we have that takes up time, that, 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 that's valuable time for us to position ourselves for the filling and sealing of your spirit, to set ourselves to seek your face. I pray that you would even deal with how we manage our time right now. And we begin to sanctify and set apart time to set our face towards you. That we'll walk out of our closets with guarantees. We'll come on, we'll we'll live our life with guarantees. God, that guarantee is not just for exclusive, it's not just for an elite people, it's not just uh, that guarantee is for us all. That's your promise to us. So I thank you and I bless you right now. God, I understand why you said turn your, your dancing in the morning. I understand why you said right, right now that weep and mourn. And, and uh, I understand because uh, th th there's been such a, 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 a straying away from the reality of the necessity of Holy Spirit. We've gotten so good with the program, we don't need you to show up to finish it. But I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would set our hearts again to seek like we've never sought. To go after you like we've never gone after you. And to love you like we never love you. Not by law, not by list. But by the ministry of the Holy Spirit that's in this room. Holy Spirit touch. Holy Spirit feel. Holy Spirit motivate. Holy Spirit quicken. Holy Spirit inspire. 
Holy Spirit, stir up, stir up bellies. Holy Spirit, stir up bellies. Stir up hunger. Stir up thirst. Give us what we can't get unless you give it to us. I pray for your mercy to fall in this sanctuary in the name of, have mercy on us. Waken us unto righteousness. Call us back between the porch and the altar. Give us grace to howl and mourn until there is a guarantee, until there is a ceiling, until there is a victorious, resurrected life walk. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I hear the Lord saying, tell my people, I want you to know where you're going when you leave. Before you leave. My spirit is from the, my world that I want you to have in this world so you'll know where you're going when you leave this world. It's a spirit from another world. Father, of those you've given me, I've lost none. It is impossible to take God's hand off a man. Only a man can take God's hand off of him. It is impossible for the enemy to take us out of the hands of God. Only we can get out of the hand of God. And if the truth be told, I don't know how good we are at that. Ask Jonah. When he wants us, he'll get us. So, Father, thank you and bless you even now. Just for a fresh new openness to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. To being poured in by the Holy Spirit. To being touched and sealed by the Father. That I'm going to hear and I'm going to believe. There's multiple fillings. I believe that every word spoken is another opportunity to get filled. When we believe it, there's a ceiling. There's a word that's a wound. There's, a, there's what's said that can give us shape. By the work of the Holy Spirit. It is so now. It's in the mighty name of Jesus we pray. Amen. I'm about to, um, I'm not going to hold us any longer. I'm closing out.